Welcome everybody, JRI back here again. My name is Matthew. Toby Pierce from Tag Oil is joining us today for an update, an exciting update at that. If you are not familiar with Tag, I believe it was back in December, episode 16 was the introduction. But Toby is coming back to us to discuss uh, some exciting updates from Tag's project in Egypt uh, targeting the Abu Roche formation. Um, and I guess so this will be, again, if, you, if you're not familiar with the story, maybe it would make sense to jump back to the previous episode. But for now, I think we'll just jump right into it. Uh, Toby, thank you for coming on first of all thank you no thanks matthew it's good to see you again yeah excellent no i do always always appreciate the time you take to to make it here with me uh so i guess like i say we're this is going to be mostly on your preliminary information on your very first vertical well uh first question right off the bat maybe is so just a question around you you released i believe the number was 500 barrels but why no why no specific ip24 number why was that something that you decided to not provide to the market sure so uh, for, there, there were multiple reasons behind that. Um, the number one was for from competitive reasons. Uh, we just want to keep everything um, reasonably quiet until we have, have more data. Uh, in addition, um, we were looking at a whole host of different uh, operating parameters. So we're bringing the well on. We'd have the well on for 30 minutes. We'd have the well on for four hours, playing with different choke sizes, um, You know, trying to get the well to clean up. It was flowing naturally, no problem. Um, you know, we ended up curtailing the um, natural flow period uh, quite quickly. And the reason for that is we had a rental frack string in the hole, which was costing us a fair amount of money. And we wanted to get that out. We had access to a service rig more quickly than we thought. So we ran in production tubing with an ESP on, on, on the production tubing. And uh, we wanted to give the market a sustained 30-day test. Um, you know, I could, I could probably get the ops guys to flow the the well 500 barrels a day, or you know, 50 barrels a day, depending, right? So depending on what the the day was, choke size, etc. So we don't want to mislead the market with a, a flashy number. We want to put out what a legitimate number is, and then provide all the context and color behind that. Mm-hmm. And you can plot with much greater degree of confidence off an IP thirty number than than twenty four anyway. So Correct. very well, yeah, very well. So maybe more of a question that's maybe more pertinent than that is, you know, what have the what have the results so far done for your confidence intervals in terms of what your expectations were for this? Yeah, I have to say, uh, you know, it, it um, the frack itself was was textbook. It's about the only thing we've done that's gone off the, without a hit at all. Like it, it, it did, you know, I don't want to jinx ourselves for the future, but uh, we were very happy with how it, it took the frag. We were able to pump uh, 110 tons of sand and over 4,000 barrels of, of liquid. Um, and it just, you know, it, it went right to design. So, of course, we made a, a fair amount of our assumptions off the Eagle Ferds and analogy, and, and it held very, very true to that. So, um, not, it's not a direct comparison. There are some, some variations. It's about 80%. Um, but what we like about what, what, what we took away from the frack is that this rock is very frackable and it will deliver, uh, large amounts of oil. Um, and the Avro chef is, is a very viable reservoir, uh, for us to target in the future. 
maybe just kind of continuing on the same stream of thought here. I mean, in terms of just knowledge that you've gained, uh, any surprises or confirmations, I mean, to the upside or downside, I know that this is material information and it's going to be under the hood for a while yet for us, but uh, anything that you can kind of speak to in that regard for us? Uh, I don't think there were any really big surprises uh, from from our standpoint. Um, you know, we were able to, you know, I think I think the big takeaway that we, we as we step back, the big takeaway is is we've really got to get our logistics down. And in this particular instance, the well, uh, logistics work quite well. You know, we have solid Egyptian partners that have assisted us. The the group that helped us provide the frac did did an excellent job. Um, but I think the one thing that you know re- the positive was the logistics worked. But uh, when you go from uh, one stage, a vertical frac to mm-hmm. I don't know. 10, 15, 20 stages in the horizontal, um, it's going to be a pretty big logistical uh, leap. So uh, we definitely got to get get focused on that. Um, I think we we uh, were surprised at, at how well um, the, the frac went away. So I think that's a positive. Uh, no real negatives per se um, from that standpoint. Yeah, well, I mean, in that regard, I mean, having your thesis confirmed from exploration is, is, is a nice touch. So in the end, it is what you were hoping it to be, which for people following the story is, is potentially very exciting, right? Um, just on, again, same vein here. This is obviously what, what a lot of people want to know about or, or kind of glean what we can from you, right? But just, again, knowing it's material, knowing that this is going to be something that you can't just give me the direct answer, but can you share with us decline rates or current production rates? I know that you mentioned that you could kind of choke it off at, at will a little bit, but I mean, is there anything in that, uh, arena of, of knowledge that you could share with us right now. Um, so I have to be careful, but but I guess there's a couple of generic statements I can make. Um, the well is behaving much like a conventional well uh, it, uh, from a flow rate perspective uh, would in Egypt. You know, it's not uh, the the headline numbers aren't you know aren't massive, but at the same time, it's consistent. Uh, we see it's choked. The well is heavily choked back at the moment. Um, so we're, we're producing at a, a fairly flat, uh, you know, really no decline, no change in pressure. Uh, although you wouldn't expect that really in the first week. I mean, if you had a substantial change, uh, you'd be uh, a little bit concerned, I think probably, but, um, yeah, and certainly from all the indications, things are, are, are running reasonably flat. Um, you know, eventually we, we will have enough data, you know, I don't think even off the IV 30, we'll. We'll get a general sense of what, what what things might be declining at. Ultimately, we need three, four, five, six months to really mm-hmm. uh, start to make an accurate assessment of what the well will ultimately produce, sort of the EUR type, type range. So maybe at this point, May 24th, you know, mid-afternoon, how many barrels have you pumped and sold at this point? You know, this is exciting. Obviously, you're getting into cash flow. I mean, is, what, uh, yeah, is that a number that you have off the top of your head or do you have a notion of? Well, uh, it's a, a reasonable amount, enough that, um, you know, we're, we're definitely keeping track of it all. Um, we sold <laughs> barrels in April. We're selling barrels in May. Um, you know, you, you can... Um, yeah, uh, beyond that, probably can't say too much, mm-hmm. but it, we're, we're producing back to the plant at the moment. Uh, and you know, the, we're, we're a reasonable uh, amount of their production at the moment. So, 
Hmm. And then maybe just one more on this. And I know that due to the nature of this being brownfield, you know, that is well understood field in that, in that regard, but composition of the oil, I think it came out as medium crude. Again, is that what you were expecting? Is that what, what you were hoping for? Yeah, we had a pretty good indication of what the oil would be or quality would be. It came in on the upper end of what we expected, uh, 23 degree API. Um, you know, no real nasties of any sort in there. Uh, no metals, no, um, you know, it's a, uh, you know, no, no large amounts of sulfur or H2S or anything deleterious. Yeah, excellent. So I guess then now we'll transition, you know, the discussion around past news, maybe transitioning into discussion around the future here. I mean, I guess generic question for you, maybe just what's next, you know, what's, what's next for you right now immediately? Yeah. I mean, so while the market may feel like we're not doing too much, um, yeah, there's a big push on right now to get all our logistics sorted for the horizontal. Um, so for example, we've ordered the long lead items, uh, drill pipe, uh, drill bits, all the necessary equipment to bring into country. If it's not available, uh, there is quite a bit of, of equipment available in country. Um, working on building the, the lease for the horizontal. Um, we're obviously working on the production end of things to um, and make sure that we have a, put our best foot forward um, uh, for the IP30 announcement in, in mid-June. Uh, we're working on a number of different acquisitions, potential acquisitions. Um, our, our view, and, and we have no real color other than, you know, initial chats have been positive, but uh, our view is that this is the time to pick up additional anchorage in, in and around uh, our bed one asset. And we're talking to a number of operators uh, mm -hmm. on that specific topic. There's a couple of threads here that I'd like to circle back with. I'll, maybe I'll just put a pin in the, the acquisition phase for now because that's a, that's a different ball of wax. But uh, um, do you want to mention, you know, long lead items? I know that these days that's a challenge, right? I know that part of the, part of what sold me on your story was that you are, you know, very centrally located in terms of the industry right nearby Middle East there, Mina. Um, but in, yeah, Potential delays, what are you waiting on? What's left for you to acquire? And then maybe after that, I'll ask you about this, the rig itself, if it's back or warm stacked or anything like that. Or yeah, so in terms of ordering or maintenance, what are we what are we expecting or is there a potential for delay? Uh, not on any of the, the, we'll get to the rig in a minute, but on all the items that we, we potentially need, they're either available in country and or are reasonably readily available. Um, you can get virtually anything you need that the the supply issues that occurred you know two years ago are, are starting to mitigate themselves and and whether that's uh we're not quite 100 percent sure why whether the, the there's just more supply available perhaps the demand for for drilling steel etc is not as uh high as people expected um but there's readily available inventory in, in texas in china in europe uh, and of course, in Egypt as well, in the, in the Middle East region. So we don't see any um, any of the components uh, as a bottleneck, other than uh, drill rigs. Um, drill rigs are fairly hard to come by in Egypt uh, up until about July timeframe, and, and um, it has to do mainly with the the Egyptian budget cycle. It's June June to June, um, so you know everyone's trying to get their wells in towards the end of their, their fiscal year, their budget year. And then all of a sudden, you know, in July, things start to free up again. So um, 
drill rigs we're looking at uh, are all operating drill rigs on other other locations. Uh, we're talking to a number of of companies that are are, are drilling away, and, and we need a slot of say sixty days. And if we could peel a rig out from somebody that needs to take a pause, maybe they need to uh, step away, look at their expiration results, um, their production results. Uh, and want to take a 60-day break, that's what we're looking for. Um, and we're looking for a fairly heavy-duty rig, you know, between 1,500 and 2,000 horsepower. Um, there's a lot of steel that'll be going in the hole, and, and mm-hmm. um, I'm not an expert on this end of things, but the, the guys are telling me that we need something with a significant amount of horsepower to make sure we can we can lift all that steel and <laughs> drill the horse almost appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, it's an interesting question around around lead items and, and, and how to acquire them and what to do. And obviously that's a big, big mitigating risk or the ability to not worry about that. I guess for me, you know, again, as an investor um, in an exploration company, you always know that, that, that time deadlines are, you know, best estimates given at the time that they were given. Um, I think that you would, I think there was a news release was you were anticipating a June spud, I mean, based on what you said, is it re- realistic? Maybe that might get pushed back to July, just based on kind of the context you provided there. Or are you still anticipating that you'll be able to start in June? I mean, uh, well, I'll, I'll phrase it in that you know, it, it in any jurisdiction in the world, whether you're in Egypt or or elsewhere, there, there can always be delays, and there always seems mm-hmm. to be delays. Um, that being said, we're still targeting the end of June, and and we'll update the market if if we feel that timing has slipped. Um, you know, we haven't been great at, at keeping timelines, but we've also been moving. Uh, we signed the block in October, right? So, you know, we've been moving incredibly quickly and learning as we go on how to navigate, um, you know, all the local suppliers, all the, um, you know, Cineo and his team have drilled 700 horizontal wells in Albania, but it's all new to them in, in, in Egypt. So the drilling end of things and the, you know, making the well go where it needs to go, testing the well, fracking. That's all pretty straightforward. It's figuring out, you know, who, who the, the suppliers are and who, who you need for various things, who you need for backup, who's the busiest and and, and may not, you know, arrive on location in time, et cetera. So um, there's quite a, we learned a ton off that vertical well. And um, we hope to improve on, on timing and uh, delivery of, of uh execution for sure going forward and that will naturally occur as we build our own relationships and and uh, uh, you know have a bigger track record in, in egypt which you and i chatting just offline before we started here that's what you said to yourself right you know in in egypt building those relationships right which just helps helps with anything once you have that personal connection right I guess maybe I'll follow this up then, you know, I think you already mentioned, you said it's roughly 60 days, but once you get down there and get spudded, yeah, 60 days to drill, is that your, your estimation or timeline for your first horizontal? Sure. Anywhere from 45 to 60 days. And that's being fairly liberal uh, with a bunch of um, extra time baked in. Um, you know, it, it um, it's an, you know, it's a new well for us. Uh, so we're going to, we obviously need to land, the horizontal in the exact right location, put our best foot forward. Not saying that other people, you know, we've got corners or anything like that, but at the same time, we're going to take probably extra time in this, this specific well. In addition, we're going to do a lot of testing that we might not do on future wells. 
perhaps sidewall cores, logging, um, just a, a whole host of different things to give us more information. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a balance between you know turning this into a great big science project versus uh, making the well commercial. Uh, but at the same time, we do need to collect the data to, to really help us uh, drive uh, efficiencies in the future. Because ultimately, um, it all comes down to economics at the end of the day. And the lower you can drive your costs uh, and, and re- you know remain uh, safe, of course. But uh, the lower you can drive your costs, the better off you'll be and the more profitable you'll be. Well, maybe somewhat adjunct to that is a question around, you said, you know, 10 or 15 stages to the next horizontal frack. I guess, I mean, you've given us that ballpark number. Maybe I'm just curious is what, what's the final determination? What, you know, what variables are you waiting on? You know, are you, are you, are you in the well when you decide when, what the final number will be or what, what do you take into consideration when you, when you make that ultimate decision? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So we're planning for 15 to 20 stages. We'll have enough material for up to 30 stages. Um, however, you, you, when you drill a horizontal well, it's a fractured dolomitic system, and you'll get zones of natural fracturing. So we just don't know how many zones of natural fracturing occur. And it's fairly redundant to, to try and frack zones that are already naturally fractured because the, the frack will just follow those natural fracture points and fracture sets. So, for example, if we draw a thousand meter horizontal leg, which is what we anticipate more or less plus minus hundred meters. Um, let's say we encounter you know, fifteen sets of natural fractures. We will need fewer, um, you know, artificial fracts in in those zones than if uh, we only encounter two sets of natural fractures. And that's the variability in the stages. So. Um, We'll be able to tell from the MWD or the, the measurement, well, the, the tools, the logging tools that mm-hmm. we utilize while drilling and uh, just drill breaks. Just, you know, all of a sudden the, the drilling speed will, will speed up and, and we'll get better penetration more quickly. That'll give us, and of course, we'll get returns of oil and, and or, you know, hydrocarbon signatures as, as we mm-hmm. re-drill through, the, through those zones. So um, not trying to be vague or anything. It's just uh, um, we're just not sure yet. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no point in fracking stuff that's naturally fractured. Mm-hmm. No, perfect. So maybe returning, you know, you made the mention of economics, and obviously this is what it's all about. It's you know, it's not a, we're not it's not a science project, right? It's sometimes your geos probably wish it was, but uh, I guess maybe the question for you then is, you know, reasonable but conservative. Uh, if we're looking at IP thirty from your horizontal first horizontal, and we, you know, you call it a success. What's like a, a reasonable but conservative IP30 number that you would treat as like a baseline goal that you're looking for from it? Sure. Um, uh, anything north of about a thousand barrels a day from that horizontal is a baseline. Uh, you know, if you start looking, uh, we're, we're, we're less worried about the headline rates, though, I have to say. And, you know, we're very much focused on how much oil these, these wells will recover in, say, the first two, three, four years of their lives. Because that ultimately will determine how economic mm. everything is. Um, but you know, if you, if I had to pick a rate, it'd be on or around a thousand barrels a day. Might be next day. Yeah, awesome, good. So maybe we'll just jump around here a bit again. M and A, right? I know this is something that in our previous conversation you had mentioned it, and this is something that you let the market know a couple of times that you are looking for further acquisitions to growing beyond just you know exploring. Aberroshef. Um, 
is there anything you can discuss again, full, fully acknowledging the fact that anything that's actually happening, anything juicy, you can't tell us, but I mean, is you, can you just kind of give us a, where, I mean, where are you looking? Are you looking only in Egypt or elsewhere? I guess let's just start there. Like geographically, are you Egypt centric or are you looking in Mina or, or where, how far afield are you looking? Yeah. So, uh, over 90% of our efforts are in Egypt, um, at the moment for anything, uh, M&A related, you know, if a great opportunity came up in Oman or, or one of the other, you know, highly prospective uh, MENA regions, we would take a look at it. We're not we're not agnostic. We, you know, we won't turn a blind eye to to a good deal, but we very much are focused in Egypt. and And I would say, you know, of the ninety percent, probably eighty percent is in and around uh, the Upper Oshef. Um, the Western Desert, the plays in the Western Desert that we can see uh, that relate to the Abaroshef and or, uh, you know, conventional and unconventional related uh, to that play in and around our existing acreage. Um, you know, very simply, uh, we have 26,000 acres on bed one. Uh, RPS gave us over half a billion barrels of oil in place. You know, directionally, the more acres we add, theoretically, the more oil in place uh, we can we can uh, point to. Uh, it won't all be the same, so obviously there's some variability. But but um, you know, we want to try and pick up a, a, a meaningful, a more meaningful stake. We we do have a it's an what we have right now is a company maker. It's enough for us to, to never have another acquisition. <laughs> Sometimes it's pretty tempting. Uh, not look at anything else, but uh, um, no, in, in all seriousness, uh, if we can double, triple, quadruple our position, we'd be uh, very, very happy with that. And it just grows scope and scale for investors and and uh, gives us, you know, more certainty on running, running, et cetera. And so I think you, you did touch on this, but is this a matter of, you know, you are in the early stages of proving your exploration thesis works, that you're doing this this thing that is new to Egypt or newer to Egypt in terms of exploration, in terms of unconventional, and you are looking to expand your on your thesis and you're looking for more unconventional targets? Or are you, like you say, kind of more agnostic where you're, if there's a conventional field nearby that you think you can can return to, you'd, you would? Or what's your preference there? So all, all of the above. I mean, it, it, and not to be... Um, to just general about it, we see you know some some very high quality uh, unconventional zones in in the western desert section. Uh, we see a lot of opportunity in you know some of the conventional zones that may you know hold may hold additional hydrocarbons. Um, you know we, we can bring capital into play, and and some of the companies in the region can't. So there lies an opportunity, right? And if you can get the alignment on how to join venture or acquire these assets, then, then you have, you're off to the races. So um, we've done quite a bit of work or our, our geos and, and engineering have spent a lot of time looking at the entire column, very much focused initially on the Avro chef. But as we look at more assets, we're getting a better understanding and by no means experts or anything like that, but we do feel comfortable that we can, um, you know, use fracking to our, to our advantage. Uh, and bring some of the technologies that we we utilize every day in North America mm-hmm. to in, into play in, in Egypt. 
do you feel like you're starting to catch people's attention when you're over there? I mean, is this, are you a story that's, that's, you know, the talk of the town in terms of, of Egypt drilling or, or where are you at? Are you still kind of yeah, under I mean, the radar? Yeah. It, it, so, um, Egypt is, a, is, is quite a small place. I mean, it, it, you know, from a, from a oil and gas perspective. So, you know, it, uh, while there are you know, probably three dozen, four dozen companies that are quite active, um, you know, it is quite easy to get to know um, uh, people over there. They're they're keen to to learn, and um, as an industry in general, we, we well we don't share a lot of proprietary information, but at the same time, we do share information. And there are scout group meetings, and you know, uh, working working sessions, and, and the like. So we've been fortunate to meet a uh, a bunch of people. Um, Specifically, the Egyptian uh, EGPC, the ministry—they've been very supportive. Um, you know, they've made—they've been really, really uh, helpful and, and uh, you know, inquisitive about what, what we're doing. Uh, you know, they, they really—they're uh, primary goal, of course, is to um, make sure that uh, Egypt has as much oil production as possible, and that's the number one focus for them. Um, they see ourselves as a potential avenue for that, and, and of course, we're very early on. But uh, um, yeah, they're they're very open, and and we find it quite refreshing that we can go in and talk to them, uh, hmm. all the government agencies, quite easily. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah, not always the case, right? So maybe timeline, right? You you mentioned the word preliminary. I think, or maybe I'm just making that up in my own mind. But I mean, where where are you at with these conversations? Is this still very much introductory conversations you're having with your? You said you know eighty or ninety percent of your energy is just right in your in your locale in your neighborhood there. Uh, advanced discussions, right? Just still kicking tires. Where are you at in that process? Um, <clears throat> yeah, fairly serious discussions across the board, but they are fairly preliminary in that you know we we just have been able to release some some results. So I, I would suggest that just like our investors, the, the industry is looking at what we'll put out for our IP30 as well. We've been fairly um, fairly um, guarded about that sort of stuff. So, you know, with select groups, we've probably disclosed a little bit more information uh, under NDA. Um, and we're, we're just trying to actively, you know, push multiple opportunities forward. It, it is Egypt, you know, things do take, uh, time, it, um, both Abby, Sunil, and I were all in Egypt at the same time, which is the first uh, first time in a long time. And <laughs> the the primary reason was to 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 push a number of these initiatives forward. Um, Abby's headed back in, in June. I'll head back at some point in in the summer. Uh, Sunil's been there and still is there uh, for a big stint. Uh, we are looking at hiring. Uh, this, there will be some announcements around some key hires here in, in the next week or two. And that will also help us push forward uh, our acquisition strategy and help flesh out the team. And so, you know, you mentioned the phrase company maker for ARF, right? Which is obviously, a, that's an exciting turn of phrase. So when we, you know, transitioning to acquisitions or M&A, when you have already a pretty exciting, you know, what looks to be an imminent, you know, discovery in terms of commerciality um, is, you know, I guess, I, do you risk splitting your attention or do you get lost in the weeds or, or I guess maybe even, you know, how foundational is the M&A style or side, side of things to your company? You know, what's, what's the, I guess, what's your governing philosophy beyond, behind your strategy for growth? 
Yeah, so it probably depends on the individual you ask, right? We're, <laughs> we're a collective, right? So my CEO may give you a different answer than our, our CEO or myself. But, you know, the real focus is is to try and we, we don't want to have 18 different assets in, in Egypt, you know, with, with a, a limited amount of time and capital going each one. We want to try and focus on two or three things that we, you know, we feel have a significant chance of success and scalable. You know, if you look at the Ebro chef we have on our bed one field, um, the initial valuations that RPS gave us were off 20 locations. Um, you know, we see multiple multiples uh, of that, you know, for, for location wise, provided everything works out. Um, so, you, you know, we, we've definitely got to keep focusing on that. And, and not to say you never know when you might encounter a, a play or a, a, an asset that has much better economics and, and better quality than the agro chef. But we feel that based on what we've seen to date relative to the agro chef, um, you know, we're quite comfortable that we've got something that's substantial. And that's why we're focused on building around that asset. Um, and or focused on assets that are similar. Hmm. And so maybe, you know, this is a related question. Again, maybe one that I would ask more exploring this, the philosophy behind your logic, but regarding future growth, is this something where you will let cash flow from, again, assuming success, expiration success, you know, will you let your you know, your flowing wells pay for future growth and, and kind of work on it slowly like that and deliberately? Or do you, is this something that maybe you would anticipate um, returning to the market for further financing for a more aggressive approach? And I guess maybe again, it's what I think it's one of those questions where it could be both under the circumstances, if I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but uh, just maybe discuss the rationale or logic or, or philosophy that would help you dictate your answer, if that makes sense. No, uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's the question we wrestle with all the time, right? As, as you know, stewards and shareholders capital. It, um, you know, so, so there's a scenario if, if, if we have a great well, horizontal well, and we're producing a substantial amount of oil, you know, per, perhaps you just sit there and, and gather up enough cash flow to, to, to fund your future program after that. But the flip side is maybe you raise 10 to 20 million extra dollars and then, accelerate your drilling program so you can capture more cash flow more quickly. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be highly dependent on the markets, the outcome of the well, um, you know, what acquisitions we make, um, you know, oil price, uh, you know, ultimately we want to get to a stage where we do fund everything out of cash flow. And, uh, you know, today I can't see, um, I don't know what the cash flow profile is going to look like. I, we, we can guesstimate. We've done quite a bit of work on that. Um, and so we're reasonably comfortable that, um, you know, provided the, the horizontal wall comes in where RPS is suggesting it will, uh, we'll have sufficient cash flow to, to grow off of. Uh, but we still may choose to accelerate that and raise some capital. And that's somewhat dependent on acquisitions as well. If you see a great acquisition, you might need additional capital. But mm. we're, we're adequately funded for for um, some of our M and A uh, opportunities, plus the horizontal well, and with a little bit of cushion. But um, you really want to make sure you have enough cash 
at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never, never going cap in hand to the market, desperate, right? That's never, doesn't end, it rarely ends well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little bit of a sidestep here. Your old land in Australia, there's Omega, it looks like they've made a decent little, they've had a kind of an exciting announcement where they had a few hundred meters of, of, of potential net pay for net gas. Uh, and then I think you, you guys have a 3% royalty strapped onto that one. Any comments on that? Is that what you were kind of expecting if you had followed forward with that? Or yeah, just want to care to comment on your old package there? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, we're, we're very excited for Omega, you know, to cut that big, big section of gas. Um, you know, it's probably a little bit more complex than, um, you know, everyone that, 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 that package can be very complex. You've got multiple coals and sands and, and silts, et cetera. So, um, we obviously wish them all the best, uh, you know, the 3% gore on there, if we can, um, and it's, you know, the, the beauty part of beauty part about an overriding royalty is that we have to put up no capital yet. We get to experience you know, a small percentage of, of the ultimate upside, right? So uh, for us, um, you know, we're we're watching closely and wishing them the best and, and uh, we like what we see. Um, you know, the, the back of the envelope arm-waving models that we, we had for Australia were substantial, um, you know, multi-TCF uh, in that basin, if it works. Uh, obviously a huge, huge amount of work to be done uh, going forward, but um, you know, I, I don't, I can't say I'm surprised uh, based on uh, analogous well results in the region, uh, the western flank of the, of the Surat Basin. Um, you know, there were players that had similar uh, type uh, intersections, so you know, I think Omega's on the right track and looks interesting. <laughs> Maybe one last one here, and again, a bit of a non sequitur, and I uh, kind of asked you brought it prior to recording here as well, and I'll give you an opportunity to answer it on air here. Just one of your one of your investors had asked just about uh, there were some five year options that had expired or looked as if they had expired back in April, but now there have been a few insiders coming up on SETI who have who have managed to exercise their options in May now, and so I was just wondering, or he was wondering, if you could maybe explain just the discrepancy there or why that happened. Sure. And so we were in blackout. Uh, we, we basically put the company in blackout from um, March timeframe until we announced it to the market our results or the initial results on the, the well. The options did expire. It was like April 6th or thereabouts. Um, you know, first two weeks in April, I believe. Um, they, there is a provision, though, in the option agreements that uh, if, if you're if you're unable to exercise due to blackout, you have two weeks following the lifting of that blackout to exercise those options. And so several of our employees had options. Myself, one of the directors, I believe everyone is exercising their options or will have exercised their options in full. And that'll all close by the end of this week. You know, yeah. And always nice to see exercised options as well. So, I mean, this is it from me, Toby. Is there anything that I missed that maybe you want to to talk about, or anything you want to to say before we depart? Uh, no, just thanks for the support from from everybody and the patience as well. It's uh, it always takes a excuse me. It always takes a a lot longer than we hope, but uh, <laughs> getting there, and we're very excited by the initial results. 
Yeah, and I think that the the market is as well, right? And as I, I've I've heard it before a hundred times, and I said it myself a hundred times, but exploration is boring until it isn't, right? And so I think that that's kind of what we're here. That's the stage that we're at with you, right? With tags, so yeah, no, and it, uh, you know, while while we won't have a massive news intensive summer, um, you know, my summer's gonna be very busy. Uh, the uh, you know investors probably would like to have a little bit more, but, um, you know, certainly September, October timeframe will be very busy and very active and there'll be, I believe quite a bit of news flow and, and uh, it'll get quite exciting. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for your time, Toby. I always appreciate it and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, Matthew. Take care.